In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what is the OWASP Threat Dragon? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is the OWASP Threat Dragon? Joining me today to help answer this question is Mike Goodwin, the project lead of OWASP Threat Dragon. Mike, how are you? I'm very good. Hey, Tim. Awesome. So let's let's get to the very first question, which is probably the toughest one. What is the OWASP Threat Dragon? Okay, well, it's a free, open source and cross-platform tool for application threat modeling. It's based on data flow diagramming. So there's a, there's a web application variant of it that uses GitHub for storing your models, but there's also a cross-platform installable app that uses the local file system. So it's a it's an OWASP project, an incubator project. So it's still at a fairly early stage, but it's quite close, I think, to being ready to progress up to the next, uh, the next level in uh, in OWASP, which is a lab project. So, so what what um, I guess what started or what what led to the idea of Threat Dragon? Well, uh, threat mo- threat modeling is something I've been doing while I work at Sage here in the UK for for quite a long time, and and while I've been, I think they've been pretty effective sessions at improving. Our applications and hardening them. They've, to be honest, they've, they've been quite hard going sometimes. You know, not particularly enjoyable things to do. Um, so it was kind of it was, it's trying to find a solution to that, that that really got me started. So I mean, I, what I knew was we definitely wanted a free tool. I mean, I know there are there are some paid for tools out there which I've never really looked at, and we weren't kind of interested in in buying a tool where we were. Um, and I've mainly used uh, the Microsoft threat modeling tool, which probably some people have have, have had a play with, which is a good tool. And it's, uh, it's really great that Microsoft put that out. And that, to be honest, that's what got me started in threat modeling in the very first place. So I'm very grateful to that. But it does have, you know, from my perspective, some problems. So for one thing, it's Windows only. And uh, where I work, we have a, a mixture of uh, Windows and Mac users. So obviously for some people, it was uh, just not an appropriate tool at all. And uh, you know, it, in the functionality side, it, it doesn't really integrate with other dev lifecycle tools. So what we were finding was that models we made were useful but they would get out of date very quickly. I guess everyone's probably had like design docs and architecture diagrams, which like you'd take ages over and then you, you file them away somewhere and never ever look at them again. That, that's what we were finding with our models. Um, and finally, that I think the, for me anyway, the overall user experience of the Microsoft tool is not brilliant. Um, and I think that's, that, that was a, a part of, the, of what made the, the sessions we had not, not that much fun. So, um, so that was the kind of background, and and just at the time, I, I happened to, to be wanting to get more familiar with JavaScript in general, and with Node um, in particular. I wanted to to use some kind of significant project for that, um, you know, not just uh, you know messing on with with blogs and so forth. So that's how it was born. Really, it was a combination of I wanted to to uh, find a good project to, to hone my JavaScript skills and to try and fall in love with JavaScript, and uh, I had this problem. That was finding at work, and I think other people I talked to had similar problems. So that that was it, really. And did you fall in love with with JavaScript and 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 I, Node and Angular? You said it's made out of Angular, right? Yeah, I I did actually. So I I <laughs> I must admit I didn't like JavaScript at all. I was a, I I come from a .NET background, and I I kind of couldn't imagine working without a compiler. Um, but I, I kind of. What I've realized, I think, since since using JavaScript is that I actually probably spent more time writing code to keep the compiler happy than I spent writing uh, actual features for, for our users. So, I, yeah, I definitely have fallen in love with JavaScript now. 
<laughs> <language of> choice. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 interesting. Um, so you said something interesting there about you know not having the tools there, and that's that's kind of one of the things that I've struggled with um, with threat modeling in general. Is that I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there, and in fact, I'm looking at the book "Threat Modeling: Designing for Security" by uh, Adam Shostak. Yeah, yeah. And it, but that's just like a big old book. And it's just like, I feel like threat modeling in general should just be something like simpler, or at least you start simple and then maybe build upon it. But I feel like there's just so much information out there that it's really complex. And and, and then, you know, how do you actually introduce this to a developer? I, I agree with you. And I've, I've spent, I've, I've done a lot of good, effective sessions without tools, you know, on whiteboards and pieces of paper and stuff like that. But obviously the, you know, what you get there is, uh, well, for one thing, you need to have somebody who's been at it a while and, and got a, a decent level of expertise. But again, you know, it's just not maintainable. You can only do those things. And you get a one-off hit from it, but that's it. You, next time you're around, you kind of have to start again. So you're right. I think I think good tool support, you know, free tool support um, that's that's engaging people to use and fun to use. I think it's really really important, and 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 in particular to get people over that kind of initial hump of okay, well, I've read the book. You know, I've, I've, I've looked at all these different methodologies and acronyms and all that stuff. You know, how do I actually start? I mean, that, that's a, you know, quite an important thing. Well, and that's why I like I like your tool because I did uh, download it and uh, well, I tried to install it. I might actually have a question for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about the installation piece. Um, but it is it, it's very like you said, it's very beautiful. It, it's it's uh, it's very simple and easy to start getting to use. And I love that it's integrated into github so it's mm -hmm. something that developers you know are familiar with and 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 hopefully will you know kind of integrate with their processes and and their ways of doing things yeah i mean the github integrations i mean it's it's kind of rudimentary at the moment i would say so when you you log in using a github account you store models in github but but that really is the is the just the foundation I and mean, the, the the future roadmap has uh, you know I've got quite a few plans around better and deeper integration with kind of GitHub workflow. I, I mean and other source control as well. So I've had particular requests for, for Bitbucket, for example. But the idea would be, you know, I mean I think people are doing CI these days. You know, you you're used to seeing those tools that will analyze your code for for code style and for test coverage. When you do a PR, you know, you, you get a whole conversation with the various different tools that you've plugged into your workflow. That tell you what's uh, what's good or bad about your um, the, the PR and your code in general, and that's kind of the vision that I want to follow with with Threat Dragon. So, just at the simplest level, you know, you have this model storage, and you can imagine um, uh, threats that you identify in the model integrating with your issue tracking or you know your ticketing system or whatever. That's kind of the foundation. But longer term, I want to do things like. Um, when you do a PR, it says, well, okay, well, when's the last time you you updated your threat model? Have you looked at it this iteration? If not, let's flag it in the uh, next to the PR. Um, you know, how many open threats do you have in your model? Um, if it's more, if you have, you might be able to configure it so that if you have, you know, critical level open threats that are not mitigated, you don't let the uh, the um, the PR go onto your master branch. You know, things like that, the, the kind of things that you see around other aspects of quality and other aspects of style. You know, I want to make security just another one of those things. So it's not a kind of special, um, special activity or a special thing that you do. Uh, you know, a group of experts do somewhere in a in a dark room and and then let you know about, which is bringing it closer to people. 
Right. And so that, that actually leads to my next question of, of who's actually supposed to be doing this. Is this something that a security person should facil- facilitating or is this something that maybe security introduces and then the developers take and do on their own account? That, I think that's exactly it. So I think there's a, you know, like anything, there's a, um, there's a kind of learning period. I think a lot of organizations these days have a, a kind of core security team of like full-time security professionals, maybe AppSec specialists or, or whatever. And they have like a bigger satellite team or a virtual team around them that are people who are interested and motivated around security, but but work in the dev teams. And they kind of champion security um, within their development environment. So, you know, when you're at the sharp end of your project and people are starting to cut features, um, they're the guys who are standing up and said, actually, no, we're not, we're not going to cut security features. We need to do, we need to do that and do, and cut something else. So really champion security there. So I always think that they're the, you know, they represent the dev teams when they're talking to security and they represent security when they're talking to the dev teams. So I think initially it's probably going to be the, um, the, the security people who are, who are driving this, particularly if you've got a good AppSec specialist in your, in your security team. Ultimately though, as you say, it's a developer activity and, and not just developer activity. I, I think the best sessions I've been in, I've had a mixture of, of uh, developers and QA guys and um, ops or DevOps type people as well, all kind of mixed together because you get different perspectives on where the threats might be and how you might mitigate them. So it's often, you know, a developer might often try and mitigate things in code, which you can do much more easily within the infrastructure or, or things like that. So, so yeah, I think mixed teams, definitely part of the dev activity, not, not a, an ivory tower security team activity. So how do you use it? So I've, I've got the, uh, the Threat Bat Dragon prototype, which is on the available on the OWASP Threat Dragon page at, at OWASP.org. Like, how do you actually get started with it? Like, what are, what are and I, I kind of want to go step by step here. Okay, there's, there's two ways in. So um, it, it has a variant, which is um, a web app. So you can, you can browse to the, I mean, I, I keep a, um, a version of it up. All the, practically all the time in sync with the master branch of the of the repository there. Um, if you go there, you log in um, using your GitHub account. Um, uh, you can either download a, um, uh, a demo model just to kind of explore what they look like and and kind of play with something that's a little bit, um, you know, there's not a blank canvas, but just to kind of get familiar with, with using the tool. Or you can uh, um, create a new model where you just browse to, uh, to one of your repos, the tool will help you do that, and then um, enter some basic information about the model, and then just start drawing a diagram, which is, a, you know, you just decompose your, your application or your system into like, using a data flow diagram. So there's, there's processes, there's data stores, there's flows connecting the two things together. And then start asking questions about, about how might an attacker try and compromise your application. Um, so that's the GitHub variant. The, the desktop variant's kind of similar, really, apart from you, you, in that case, you have to download the client, install it. it there's a version that works on, a, on Windows and a version that works on, on a Mac. There's no um, Linux version yet. Um, you install it. And in that case, you can do the same kind of fetch a demo model. It's the same model, actually, that you fetch from, uh, from my, one of my GitHub repos. And you can start exploring that way. Or you can just start a new one, which is going to be not GitHub in- integrated this time. It's just on your file system. I have to say, I mean, one thing about that that people should should be aware of, I think, with the project, it, it is early stage, and one of the things which is is a kind of the, probably the biggest functional gap, especially when you compare it to the Microsoft threat modeling tool, 
is it doesn't yet really have any kind of threat generation capability. So we were talking before about that hump um, mm-hmm. and how, how, how can you get over that? I mean, with today's version of the tool, really, I don't, to, to get over that hump, you need a person there who's got some threat modeling experience to help you. I think in the future, um, like, you know, the, probably the next, the next major milestone will incorporate a, um, you know, a kind of intelligent threat generation um, rule base where you kind of capture some information about the different parts of your model. It will suggest potential threats to you based on um, you know, the properties of the elements or, or the way that the elements relate to each other or kind of overall context information about the, um, about the model. So, so say, if you, if you describe your model as, a, as an e-commerce web application, then that will, that will spark a number of, um, of different kinds of threats that people might apply. So, um, uh, you know, credential stuffing or carding and you know, th- those types of things. So we look at a number of different things of the overall context, the, the way that model elements relate to each other and individual elements and their properties and, and suggest some, some potential threats for you. That's a future, the, the, probably the most important future feature to have, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that, that's my follow-up question is, is how does one, how familiar does one need to be with threat modeling? Um, you know, I'm just starting to do this myself and I, but I feel like this tool is simple enough that at least it, I feel like it can be helpful in, in getting at least started. And, and I, I think so. I mean, it's the way it is at the moment, you can do sort of basic, you know, you, you can do sort of full on round trip threat modeling, but the threats that you come up with, you kind of a bit on your own. That's, mm-hmm. that's the, the gap of it. Um, I mean, there is a, there is some documentation that goes along with the uh, the tool that kind of helps you with the basic functionality of it. And just recently, I had a, I had a, um, a conversation via email with a, a guy called Peter Mosmans, who he he authored the Plural Site course on um, threat modeling fundamentals. And we're talking maybe about him um, creating some documentation about how to get started with threat modeling with Threat Dragon, which would be absolutely fantastic if uh, if um, if that come uh, you know comes to fruition. That would yeah, be yeah, no that. That'd definitely be awesome. Like I said, I, I have Adam Shostak's book. It's a massive thing, but even in there, it says like chapter one, it's like, just go and do it. Like that's what's <laughs> going to give you experience is just going and doing the threat modeling. Yeah, I mean, totally. That's true. And like I say, for, for a long time, I did threat modeling on, on big sheets of paper and, mm-hmm. and, and did, you know, made a lot of improvements to, to application designs that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, but what I like about this is that this is, this is pretty much in GitHub. So you can go back to it. You can, can you update it, or is it like once you've done a diagram? Oh no, like no, you can, you can update it. Okay. I mean, that's that's kind of really the idea. Really, is that that you're supposed to? I mean, I mean threat modeling's a, I mean, it's a design time activity. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not, a, um, it's not something you do when you're kind of in the depth, you know, up to your elbows and cutting the code. It's something you do ideally, you do it before you've got a significant amount of code. Um, but equally, you should. It's something you should do. Uh, every iteration if you're in a you know a kind of iterative or agile um, environment you should be doing this every iteration you kind of look at the features you're doing and do a kind of like a mini threat modeling exercise on those features and, and sometimes there'll be nothing you know you, you're doing features where nothing's really changing from a security perspective in which case you know you just say yep we, we looked at the model there's nothing nothing changing it kind of just stays the same in other cases you might be doing something major you, know, you might add, in, add a whole new authentication provider or integrate with a completely different third party or something like that where there's a lot of stuff to be done from a security perspective in fact i saw a when i was at um, appsec eu and uh, earlier in the year and there was a fantastic presentation actually there called incremental threat model which is exactly designed for that it's like how do you 
how do you repeat that threat modeling exercise every iteration to keep your um, keep your model up to date? I, I feel like though that once you like do a different threat model based on like what what you're what you're working with or what you're designing. Uh, I, I think you could. Well, it's, it's, there's two ways of approaching it. One, you can you can model just the the change. You can start off with like say a um, just one big circle which represents okay, this is the existing system. What am I adding to that? So you might add some new um, some new process, some new data stores. You just kind of look at the incremental threat model that way. Or you know, if you if you have more appetite, you can um, you know just completely update the model, kind of re reconnect the different things, and and kind of keep a like a whole system model in place. That's, so that's, that's my preference if if you can do that. But the difficulty there is if you start threat modeling when you've got a, an, an already existing system, it's very difficult to go back and kind of model the whole thing. You know, maybe maybe like five years worth of development. Um, you know, very 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 hard to think about creating a model like that. Yeah, well, I I could also see where if if you're if you're a new security person coming into it, you could and you're trying to get an idea of how the application works. Like I think that that could be a useful exercise because I I have heard people tell me that threat modeling is something that you can do after the fact. I mean, ideally, like you're saying, get in at the design and and anything future going forward, you want to do it there. But um, I feel like it could be useful at at you know just understanding the application. Oh yeah, it, it, it totally can. I mean, the, the uh, and and you that there's a, a whole class of of different threats and vulnerabilities that you can identify that way and fix. It's just that sometimes you you know if you baked if you baked a design into your application, sometimes it's quite hard to um, you know to make fundamental changes that way without you know a huge amount of rework. And you know, to me, threat modeling is much. It's it's more of a. It's it's not likely to find you the kind of. Um, you know, specific input validation types of rules, it's more likely to find you kind of broader design level things or, or, or in particular defense in depth type mitigations. I think it's particularly um, effective at finding defense in depth, which obviously, you know, these days defense in depth is you know, very much, uh, you know, the way that people are looking at, at uh, securing systems, not, not just looking at the perimeter these days. Gotcha. So you've discussed the roadmap a little bit, and you talked about Big Bitbucket integration. What else um, is out there for that you're that you're wanting to do? What's the rule engine? It's a big thing. That the 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 dev lifecycle stuff is a another big deal. Um, but, but kind of more than that, it's really to to get actual people using the tool, um, you know, for for real projects, and just get sort of a lot of. Um, feedback on specific features, um, particularly about the use, the overall usability. I think it's really, really important. So actually core actually to the, to the tool, then it should be a fun, easy, simple tool to use. So, uh, you know, I've kind of got my ideas about how that is, but, but, you know, I'm not at all a, a UX guy and, and, uh, you know, really, really needs, um, you know, proper feedback on what, uh, kind of, you know, a broad set of usability features, mm-hmm. I think just to, um, just to make it, you know, a fun thing. Yeah, I feel like it was fairly intuitive when I started using it. So, um, figured I'd throw that out there. there. Oh, good, thanks. Uh, <laughs> just to boost your confidence as a UX uh, a UX guy, you're doing you're doing pretty good. Um, there might be other people that have some differing opinion. I don't know. Uh, I'll let you know as I get more and more into it. Um, another thing I think I saw in another article is that you want to do like an electron installation. So this, I, I imagine, would make it easier for like people to start 
you know installing well, and using that's actually in place now so the um oh is it yeah so so that's uh uh kind of the, almost the last thing that's um the kind of milestone one was uh, i uh, have that um installable app version so that's in place now um it, it sort of basically works uh um it's got a, it's got a couple of uh, a couple of bugs that i'm aware of um and there's a couple of, of issues with it where in particular the, the, it's an auto updating it's supposed to be an auto updating app so you install it and then you know you've, you've seen you've probably seen electron apps like this the slack app or the mm-hmm. github app you know there's a number of things all based on electron it's, it kind of behaves like them so you get this auto update behavior that works on windows at the moment it does not work on on the mac because i'm missing code signing certificates so okay uh, they cost quite a few hundred dollars so I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah i'm asking a loss for phil phil and uh, um, support me by by providing one of those once that's in it, it will be uh um uh you know a, a kind of properly f- functional app and it and it has it basically the, the install app has essentially the same fe- feature set as the as the web app mm-hmm. and in fact it, it shares 85 percent of the code with the web app it's an electron app so it's all it's all written javascript html just like the web app the only real difference is the overall shell of it is is Electron instead of uh, um, being an Angular web app. Um, it's just the container of it. And then the uh, the model persistence. So in, on the one case, it's GitHub. On the other, it's the file system. But like I say, more than 85% of the source code is the same. Practically all of the UI is the same, same code running in the Electron app. So, so if, you, if you look at it, you'll see the, you know, the diagramming is all exactly the same. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I I went and installed the uh, the web application uh, version. Chat. I completely just blew over the Electron version, which I'd have to put on a desk. I'd have to pull up a Windows desktop or something. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, it works on a Mac as well. I mean, you, you can install it on a Mac. It just won't auto update today. Ah. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Um. So, do you need like help? I mean, you've obviously asked for. Uh, feedback on the UI and you know just using it in general is I, I noticed on the OS page you're only project lead on this is that are you looking for development help you know what, what are you looking for oh uh, yeah all sorts of help really I mean it, I, I think that the, the project for for quite a long time it was essentially only me and so I recently I've been having uh, you know a few conversations and getting some uh, some you know support in terms of discussion of features and and some kind of publicity and and there's a um, a guy, another guy in the UK, uh, who's recently started contributing some of the code to the project, John uh, Gadsden, um, which is fantastic. Um, but it, it really needs uh, to build a little more of a collaborative team behind it in order to get it to the next level. Um, so, any, as I mentioned, any kind of feedback on the UX and feature requests and bug reports is, is awesome. Um, I'm really, really interested in ideas about the threat rule engine. That would be superb, especially from people who've got solid threat modeling experience. So I think that's that's uh, it's surprisingly difficult to get that right, and you don't want to get it. What I'm thinking is you don't want to have it doing too much for you because you, you don't want it to be just a I press a button, all my threats appear. I don't have to think because there's no kind of learning there. In any case, you probably would miss some of the more subtle, you know, threats. But at the same time, you don't want it to do too little, otherwise it becomes useless. So getting the balance right between how much does this tool want to do for you. Is quite it's surprisingly difficult to get right, I think, and, and very important. And then obviously, just development help would be uh, really, really useful. Writing unit tests, um, uh, writing features, fixing bugs, anything like that, really. 
So what's the effort for, and this is kind of out, I, I guess, from a more general standpoint, because I, I do get asked by people, what can I do to get involved? And, um, you know, what can I do for extra work? And, you know, what, what's the effort level for an OWASP project from your well, point of view? Well, I mean, it's, it's been quite a big effort for me to, to kind of get it to this point. So for, from time to time, I've, my wife's been uh, like a threat dragon widow, where I've been sort of <laughs> every, every night doing it. Um, so it's been, it's been a quite a big, it's, it's not a simple project. It's not a small project. You know, if you, I do, I have a couple of other open source things that are just little libraries and they take almost no effort. You know what I mean? You, you kind of, you get them to a point and then it's just a question of keeping them up to date and fixing bugs and, and fixing all the dependencies when they, they break and things like that. This is a bigger thing, a bigger commitment is, is a tool. So it needs, it, overall for the project, it needs quite a, quite a commitment of effort and a few different skills as well. Um, but, you know, for, for any individual kind of within that, it doesn't have to be a huge effort. I mean, that you know, um, it's, it's pretty easy, really, to, I think, to uh, to fix bugs on it. It's pretty easy to um, to write unit tests and things like that. And, and there's, there's quite a mix of features, I think, some of which are, are small and simple, pr- pretty accessible to people, some of which are obviously a bit more involved. So I think, you know, like, you know, like most open source projects, I'd be, you know, I'm, really really welcoming hopefully to to anybody who's who's willing to contribute in every way in any way it's kind of reached that stage where it has to transition from being essentially a solo effort doing mm-hmm. something collaborative because you know what i've realized in the last couple of months i've had some work commitments and family commitments and it's kind of the project just stopped and that's obviously no good once you get real users depending on the tool that's clearly no good so it has to it has to get some momentum in order to you know to succeed really yeah, no, absolutely. So how can people get in contact with you if they want to contribute? Well, so my best way is probably my OWASP email, which is mike.goodwin at OWASP.org. Or if you go to the um, to the GitHub um, repo, you can leave just leave issue requests there. In fact, the I mean the the um, the desktop app, you can raise a GitHub um, issue straight from the app, in fact. Okay. What resources are available for learning more about OWASP.dragon? Or threat modeling in general, if you want to throw something out there for that. All right, there's, there's a bunch of um, of threat. If you Google OWASP threat modeling, there's a whole stack of resources. Uh, not not to do with threat dragging necessarily, but to do with um, the various different methodologies and cheat sheets um, that exist around threat modeling. And it's actually it's something that got a lot of attention at the uh, um, at the OWASP summit earlier in the year. And I think there's there's quite a big effort going on at the moment to to kind of improve and enhance. The, the resources that are available on OWASP for, for, for threat modeling. Um, and there's, uh, there's also starting to be quite a few um, sort of sessions from the different conferences around as well. So a, but a growing set of resources on, uh, on uh, if, if you Google OWASP threat modeling, there's loads. And there's a quite a few conference resources about nowadays as well. So um, there were talks at the, at the AppSec EU conference earlier in the year. And also Robert Hurlbut did a, a really great workshop session at the... Um, at DevSecCon and, and at AppSec US. Uh, you mentioned Threat Dragon in that one. But, but in, in general, it's a kind of broader threat modeling session that he's that done. All right. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed? Uh, no, I think I've done. I just, just encourage people to, to get into threat modeling, not, not just as a plug for my tool, but because in my experience, I've, I've been doing it a while now, and I think it's the, the best technique for uh, for implementing defense in depth in particular in your applications, do it on a piece of paper, do it using the Microsoft tool, buy it or whatever. But it's a it's a really great technique. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, what would you like to plug? 
plug oh well i plugged my uh was threat dragon tour and also actually I mean, you plugged a couple of times adam showstack's book which is uh yeah. that's one of the one of the things again that got me into threat mode in the first place and it's a uh, it's a fantastic resource All right. Awesome. Uh, thank you for joining me to discuss what is Dragon. Okay. Thanks, Tim. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.